Hey guys, it's Brant and I'm back for another The Panel Has Spoken Kiss video. And this one is for Carnival of Souls. And we know that there's some of you who hopefully are watching. You may love to hate this album. You may just flat out hate this album. You may love this album. But we put it out for you guys to decide what the top track is. And I want to go say right up front, I'm trying to put this in all my videos, but YouTube thinks you guys don't like me very much, even though there's a lot of people watching my videos. Um, they think you don't like me very much. So be sure to go ahead and hit the thumbs up button on this video if you do like it. Because YouTube looks at things and when they go, oh, you had a thousand people who watched your video, but only 50 people clicked like, it doesn't look too good to them. And so they, they, don't, they don't treat my videos very kind when it comes to being recommended or things like that. So if you enjoy this video or you enjoy my channel and the things I put out, go ahead and hit the thumbs up button. Click subscribe if you want to. And um, little public service announcement out of the way. little housekeeping up front. <laughs> So we're going to talk about Carnival of Souls. I've got my partner in crime, Rick from It's All For You Demon. How you doing, hey. man? Good. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. As good as I can be on a Sunday morning. And it is nice outside. We're finally starting mm. to get some spring weather. And it's nice outside. It was nice yesterday. And we filmed these on Sundays. So it's a nice sunny Sunday day. And I may be doing a little bit of editing out on the patio this afternoon. Yeah. Uh, there you go. because it is really nice uh, but let's get into Carnival of Souls um, we had 58 on the panel for Carnival of Souls and uh, you know we just want to talk about it so Rick I'm going to let you go first I want you to talk about Carnival of Souls uh, for yourself uh, without mm -hmm. getting too much into the songs of course and then I'll talk about it and then we'll get into this panel uh, um, I was, I, in the nineties, I kind of checked out of music and, you know, I'm, I'm a huge eighties fan and the nineties kind of killed all my favorite bands and I, I held a grudge against it and I missed out on a lot. It was, a it was a mistake on my part to, to judge music. I didn't like grunge at all, and so I missed out on all those bands that MTV told me was grunge. And so this album fell into that. I remember I heard the bootleg. My friend Danny had the bootleg, and it you know tuned down, and the drums sound different, and it was a different sound than Revenge. And I, I chalked it up to the bootleg. I thought, oh, well, maybe it's because it's a bootleg. You know, That's why it sounds different. And then when it was released on cd i bought it and i just i just i dismissed it i it was a different sound it was you know a a a allison chains ish sound and i just didn't like it and that was a mistake on my part uh, throughout my adult life i've tiptoed around it and this week i pulled a u and i i just devoted an entire week to listening to this record and I, I have a great appreciation of it now um it is a dive record for me like it's like the elder it's a record that if i if i want to listen to it i want to listen to the whole thing like sit down on the floor with you know the cd in my hand and just soak it all in and really dive into it 
and I, I, I really like it. And I look back on my early judgment of it and I regret not appreciating it for what it was back then. That's you're kind of reminding me of recent statements I've made towards crazy nights and hot in the shade. Mm. Cause those are two albums that I was notoriously against, especially crazy nights. And believe mm -hmm. it or not, I've actually listened to both of those albums in their entirety since I've done the panel videos for them. I've went mm. back and listened to them again because I had a lot more appreciation for them after listening to them for a week solid for immerse, after I immersed myself into the albums. Um, so I, I get I get exactly where you're coming from. And we see that in the panel too. We'll hear people say, I've never really listened to this album very much. Uh, we actually had some people who had never heard this album before, period. Oh, and, wow. they, and they listened to it and they had an appreciation for it. Um, this album to me, I got it when it came out. I never heard the bootleg, but I knew one existed. And when it came out, I went and bought it. And I was a fan of not all, I hate the term grunge. Yeah. Um, I don't like that term. But I, sadly, I admit that I was a fan, and I, not necessarily sadly, but I admit that I was a fan of some of the bands that came out. Um, I was a huge fan of Nirvana's first album. I thought Nirvana's first album was great. Soundgarden's first album was great. Pearl Jam's first album was great. I liked all those albums. I loved this album when it came out, and, and I love Alice in Chains. Alice in Chains, to me, is not a grunge band. Alice, Ch mm. Alice in Chains, to me, is a metal band. They are metal. Yeah. I don't give a crap if they came from Seattle or not. I mm -hmm. think it was a raw shake on them to, to uh, put them in with bands like Pearl Jam or Nirvana. They were not doing what Pearl Jam and Nirvana were doing. They were not playing mm -hmm. the same type of music. But seeing this album was produced by Toby Wright, who, um, well, it was co-produced by Toby Wright with Gene and Paul. Um, and it had that Seattle sound, what I like to call it. That's that's what I call it. I call it the Seattle sound. Um, it sounded like Alice in Chains to me, which I loved. And um, in recent times where I've re less, let my son listen to this album, Stephen, he loves this album, and he's like, this album is relevant. This album could re be released today. He couldn't believe that this album was 20 years old. Drop-down tuning is still very popular. Simplistic recordings and simplistic mixings and not a lot of effects on guitars and on drums is also still very popular. Um so this album is still very relevant and I am happy that for our panel members that went back and listened to this and put in their input, whether they liked it or whether they didn't, they still gave us a list and um and I'm 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 happy for that. I owned this on C D when it came out and I don't have that C D anymore, but I do have the vinyl and it's unopened. This is my twenty fourteen reissue. This is the first time I think this might have been the first time this was on vinyl, if I'm not mistaken. But um, I like this. Me and my son have talked about this. I like this packaging. I like it. It speaks to the time. It's mm -hmm. stripped down. Hey, we're in the recording studio, and Bruce didn't even shave that day. Um, you know, uh, it's and they, and they look really cool. They like, do. 
they they look legit. They look uh-huh. like they look legit, and that's what I really like about the the revenge Carnival of Souls era is they looked and sounded like a legit band. They were not relying on image, costume, stage shows, uh, you know, big huge stages. They were relying on the music, and um, yeah, and I'll touch on this uh, in one of the songs, but. Um, I totally agree with you, and the, I I really wish this era of the band would still exist. Mm-hmm. I wish they. I've said this before in videos. I wish they would have went back to this after the reunion and the farewell. That they would have went back to this. That's, okay, that that's exactly my point. Yeah. So yeah, we'll talk about that. Okay. I totally agree. All right, so let's get into the panel. Uh, there was. 58 of us, and I'm going to read us off here. I've got my spreadsheet over on my other monitor. It's easier for me. Uh, we have myself and Rick, and from YouTube, we have Perpetual Art, John B. Good, John Howard, that Toy Bonnie guy, Joel Pegg, Sonic Riccardi, Jesse Ray, Raven FM, Super Kiss 1200, Tom Tobin, Travis Mulgard, Specs, Hard Rock Reverie, Mick C., Indicult 777, Brian Foster, RJ Dubs, Roger Bennett, Amy W, Sublime 130, Jeremy Kimona, Jay Reed, Daniel Barris, Two Gay Dads, Gregory Pegg, Kissin' Time, Dan Thompson, Future Squash 767, Demetrius K, Trevor Bullock, Rocker L 0270, Twitter we had Tony Rod, Paul Teplius, Tom Dust, Jeff Wyatt, Kimchi Chris, Haragal Susan, Darren Helliwell, Vanessa, David King, Sam Loomis, Jim Reddy, Aladio, Eric Mosiu, Matthew Smith, and R.C. Campbell. From Facebook, we had Steve Rivas, Paul Bertolino, Robin Kay, Matt Ucci, Destroyer Dave, Joe Nail. From Instagram, we had the Clarences, Michael Westbrock, TrueDan16, and Justin Churchy Hansen III. So that is our panel. For Carnival of Souls, the final sessions. I hate. I, I always call it Carnival of Souls. I hate. <sighs> I hate that the final sessions. It's it's depressing. <laughs> so um, so let's go. So we got twelve tracks. So we're going to get right into it. So let's start with the predictions. What do you predict for number twelve? I will be there. I will be there. Okay. I predicted it never goes away. With 263 points at number 12, the panel picked, it never goes away. Um, One panelist, John Howard, picked It Never Goes Away as their favorite song. I picked it as my eighth favorite song. And I'm going to go ahead and say that there's probably only about three tracks out of this album that fall not that I don't like them. They just fall low to me. They're the they're the three kind of low points for the album on the album. Um, although I know some of you out there, there's one of them that you're gonna love. For me, it just falls a little low, and I'll tell why when I get to it. Um, but I picked this eighth. Eighth could have been four or five for me. Uh, I love a lot of people. Uh, they this time I think this probably scored so low because this song is like a total downer. I mean, this song is just 
This is a song that you never thought you would hear Kiss sing. It's totally depressing. Um, Paul, But Paul puts a performance in on some of these songs that I know he hates and some of these songs where he's just sang, sounding and singing so depressed. He still puts a hell of a performance in on these and you could hear that Paul still had a good, strong voice. Some of the, whenever he says that, and even if I could, it never goes away. And the way he just holds those notes out, it just sounds so amazing. Um, but, and I'm going to go ahead and say it now, to the two people on this album that makes this album are the two people on the last album that made this album, and that is Bruce and Eric Singer. Yep. Bruce Kulick and Eric Singer. This is Bruce's baby. Bruce co-wrote a lot of songs on this album, and this is Bruce's baby. Um, and you can just tell this was his labor of love. This was Gene's idea, and and he sold it to Paul. It was probably a hard sell, and Paul probably didn't want to do this album, but he did it anyway because, and I think he did really good. Mm-hmm. Um, but this was Bruce's uh, baby, and Bruce really shines on this album. So um, it never goes away as an eight for me. It's number 10 for me. The tracking of this record, this is, it never goes away. It's where it kind of loses me just a little bit. Like, I'm still into it, but like, you know, like I'm peeking, 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 and then it just kind of levels off. And it's it's with this song, um, with headphones on, this, <laughs> this song can kind of make you nauseous, the way it's like going in and out of your ears at the beginning. But I love the very Sabbathy guitars and the guitars and Paul's vocals, there's kind of like an echo thing on his vocals sometimes. Super cool, super moody. And it just, I love the mood and I love the atmosphere. It just doesn't have a hook for me. It doesn't have a like, oh, I'm going to go play that song again. So that's why it ranked low for me at number 10. So what's your prediction for number 11? It never goes away. Okay. My prediction that for number 11 is Seduction of the Innocent. And at 264 points, one point above number 12, the panel chose Seduction of the Innocent. <laughs> I swear I made my prediction before. <laughs> I made my prediction. I always make my list of my predictions before I start tallying. Um Two panel members, Perpetual Art and Joe Nail, picked Seduction of the Innocent uh, as their um, as their favorite song. I picked Seduction of the Innocent 11. Uh, this is a very trippy song. It almost mm-hmm. sounds like Gene is channeling his inner George Harrison. Mm-hmm. Uh, you remember when, George, when the Beatles got trippy? And, mm-hmm. and they all got their gurus and they started making that trippy acid... Hindu type sounding music. Mm-hmm. This just has that, especially that lead that Bruce does. That you know, it's just it's. This song is just real trippy, um, but I don't dislike it. It's just it's kind of a low. Just as um, it never goes away was kind of a low point with Paul for me. This is one of my kind of low songs for Gene. Uh, and but I still I still enjoy it, so um, I stuck it at uh, number eleven for me. Yeah, and and this is 
this is number 12 for me. And it's, it's that middle section of this record. That's just kind of yeah, low for me as well. You know, it, it comes right after it never goes away. And it's just, there's no real hook in it. Like there's nothing that really grabs me, but I totally agree. Very, very sixties feel. And like, when you when you listen to it with headphones on, you kind of close your eyes. You can totally picture like those old music clips of like you know the bands playing, but then there's like those psychedelic flowers that come in and like all that very uh, uh, like Alice Cooper's "I'm 18" video. Mm-hmm. You know that it just has that trippy feel, and uh, it's 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 a good song, but not a not a grab you and make you come back for me. Exactly. Exactly. Me and you, I'm, I'm, I'm enjoying so far that me and you are kind of riding along in the same car right now. I'm sure that one of us <laughs> is going to take a detour at some point in time, but we're riding along in the same car, and I'm happy for that. Uh, so up to number 10, what's the prediction for the panel for number 10? Uh, in the mirror. In the mirror. I predicted the panel was going to choose for number 10, childhood, Childhood's End. Coming in, breaking into the 300s at 304, at number 10, the panel chose, I will be there. Five panelists, Sonic Riccardi, Tom Tom Tobin, Tom Tobin, Hard Rock Reverie, David King, and Robin Kay picked, I will be there as their number one song, um, which I'm happy to see because I picked, I will be there as my number three I really, really love I Will Be There. It's a song that Paul wrote for his son, Evan. He was having a really hard time coming up with material to write for this album, coming up with lyrics. And so he wrote a song a song to his son. And this song right here, to me, just shows what Paul Stanley can do with his voice. He comes in on that real low, each and every day. I mean, he's that's low for Paul. Um, but then he breaks into that, we can never know. And I mean, he just, he just shows so much with his voice, but I love the chorus of this song that just repeating, I will be there. I will be there. And that, that he's playing under it. Uh, I just think this song's amazing. It's always been one of my favorite songs off this album. And, uh, that at the very end where he's just screaming and holding notes out, I will be there. You know, I love that part. I, I love everything about this song. It could as easily be as num- a number one for me. It's one of the mm-hmm. highlights of the album, but um, I picked it as number three. I picked it at number nine, but my list, like my number one through nine are all favorites. They just, you know, fall ranking wise. Um, this song is a great Paul construction. Uh, you, you've mentioned that in several videos. He's great at constructing a song, and this is a perfect example of that. This song, I can picture this song on The Elder, mm-hmm. even lyrically. They, j- it just has that, you know, like an elder speaking to a young boy, and I love that feel, and I get that connection when I listen to this song. And so it, 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 it always, it makes it, this is a feel good song. Like it makes you feel good. And like you said, just that, those, those chords that just the progression of the song, it's great. 
Yes. Um, so, what is the prediction for number nine? Uh, seduction of the Innocent. Okay. I predict uh, I will be there for number nine. With 332 points, for number nine, the panel chose In the Mirror. Five panelists, Tony Rod, Paul Teplis, Kim G. Chris, Hargal Susan, and Paul Bertolino picked In the Mirror as their favorite song. I picked In the Mirror for me as my seventh favorite song. Um, I love In the Mirror. I love that it's got a kick up and a step to it. Um, I love the hook to it. I love that take a look in the mirror. I I love it. Um, it's kind of like a it's it's a pretty deep song from Paul, being all retro retrospective in a kind of an upbeat little bit of a rocker. Uh, and um, some of the this songs like this shows how tight this band was. These four mm-hmm. guys playing together. It shows how tight these they were because there's a couple little turnarounds. This album has a lot of weird timings on it. Sweet Dan can probably appreciate. I know we've actually had a conversation with me, you, and Sweet Dan about this album. But me and him talked about Eric and talked about the timing, and you talked about Bruce. And this album, this album is a a uh, a specimen of what a tight sounding band will sound like. That all know how to play, all know what they're playing, and they all play well together. So, um, but I picked, um, in the mirror for me as number seven. Yeah. It's number 11 on my list and nothing hugely against the song. It just, uh, I have other favorites obviously. And like you said, technically just the musicianship on this record is superb. It's absolutely great. And it, man, it makes me, it makes me wish like you said earlier, they would have gone back to this lineup because it was so good. It was so good, and and I I regret not appreciating this album when it came out because this it, the musicianship is amazing. Mm-hmm. So that brings us up to number eight. I predicted uh, I walk alone. Okay, I predicted I, I predicted I walk alone too for the panel. At number eight, with 333 points, one point above in the mirror. Some of these are really tight, guys. Um, but the panel chose at 333 points for number eight. I confess. Three panelists, Jesse Ray, Tom Dust, and Justin Churchy Hanson third, picked I Confess as their favorite song. I picked it as my number 10 song. This is my next to second lowest Uh, low point for Gene to me. Um, It starts off just kind of slow and easy. It almost sounds like, before it kicks into the uh, chorus, it almost sounds like it could have been on a Gene Simmons solo album. I mean, he's really kind of low and somber and introspective. Um, But then when it kicks in, I do love the way it kicks in. I love the solo on the song, the way it just... It's that weird wah-wah pedal sound that Bruce just does so well at. He's really good with a wah-wah pedal. And Bruce is a big fan of this album to this day. You can tell he's real proud of it. But to me, this just... There's there's nine more better songs on this album to me than I confess. It was number six to me. I love the uh, 
the Gene and Paul vocals and the anger of you know the chorus. I, it totally the solo has a a psycho circus feel, mm-hmm. and that is that is what I wanted to. You mentioned it earlier, and I totally agree with you. I wish after the reunion they would have just came back to this band, this lineup, and done Psycho Circus as a non-makeup record. I, you know, Psycho Circus was, not to get on on a different album, but it was an exciting time, but then the record was kind of disappointing. And this record is not disappointing. The musicianship on this record is so, like I said earlier, it's so great. And this track, you mentioned Gene's solo record, I, that's why I love this track. It just has that solo vibe. And I love, man, that, that ending chugging riff. Oh, that's goosebump time. Mm-hmm. That brings us to number seven. I predicted I confess for seven. Okay. I predicted in my head for seven. And um, at number seven with 339 points, the panel chose Childhood's End for number seven. Two panelists, Indy Colt 777 and the Clarences, picked Childhood End, Childhood's End as their favorite song. I picked it ninth for me. And that, like I said, that num- that nine sounds bad, but this could easily be a three or four for me. Um, this, I, I love this side of Gene. I love the... Um, you know, talking about, you know, somebody apparently, you know, killing themselves and just kind of being, you know, retrospective and introspective about, you know, you were always my friend, but childhood's end, you know, um, you were just like me. I was just like you. And I, I love, I love the kids coming in and singing. Uh, you know, that's really cool. Uh, it's got a cool solo too. Um, like I said, I love, I love, I like that it starts off kind of soft and then kind of just kind of builds, builds itself uh, through it. So yeah, it's down low for me, but that doesn't mean I don't love it. Um, it's just, uh, I got eight songs I like more than it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so yeah. number nine for me. Number four for me, um, I this is Gene Simmons' solo album material, and I love it. It's a cross between angry revenge gene and hotter than hell going blind gene and there's a demo of a psycho circus song called i want to rule the world that really reminds me of this song and that song's great too but this i love the almost a day in the life beatles type feel to this song lyrically and uh, i love the little tip of the hat he does to himself lyrically in this song and man when those kids come in that's goosebump time again it's just so kind of creepy and cool and dramatic all all at once and yeah number four for me i i love this track and actually i didn't really even know this track until the box set came out because i i just wasn't into this record but it's a great great part in this album I think it's funny the tip of the hat you're talking about. There's a couple correlations if you think about it. He says towards the end when the kids are singing, you got something about you, you got something I need, which is from God of Thunder, mm-hmm. which also has kids in it. Yep, yep. <laughs> it's like very, 
Very cool. Very cool. Very cool. Uh-huh. Uh, so that brings us up to number six. Uh, I predicted childhood, childhood is in. All right. For number six, for me, I predicted in the mirror. Number six, what the panel chose with 357 points. The panel chose in my head. One panelist, Gregory Pegg, picked it as their favorite song. And believe it or not, I did not pick this song as my favorite song on the album. I, I was wondering where it was going to fall. In My Head is not my favorite song on the, on this album. Uh, it actually falls at about number six on this for me, um, which is about right. Uh, I love the song In My Head, and of course I named my, my uh, channel after this song. Uh, part of the theme music uh, plays uh, in, uh, at the beginning of my videos. And if you go back and watch some of my older videos, um, it has the music and the da -na 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 -na, the whole intro. And then uh, what I've done more recently was, um, oh God, probably for a year now, is just having the don't, don't, da -na -na, just the stripped down. I stripped away all the guitars and stripped away everything. So the only thing that you hear is the bass and the drums and Gene saying, in my head. Um, I left that. And um, because I just... I, I wanted that part. That's really the, the the cusp of it is what I like to have. Um, although I did do something a little special for this this intro for this one, I did something a little special using that music. Um, so if you didn't notice, uh, but um, in my head, I love this song, I, and and that's what my channel was all about in the very beginning was and still is is these are my thoughts that are in my head, but. I love this. This is almost like a demon song to me. Yep. I'm obnoxious and no one's home in my head, in my head. I love the visuals to this. Mm -hmm. Nested termites glowing red. Uh, it's a very visual song. I've heard a lot of people saw, say that this song doesn't sound like it's finished. And a lot of these songs don't sound like they're finished. Um, but that's just, you got to go back and listen to other music that was coming out during this time. They they simplified. That was one of the things that made music during the 90s so popular and, and for lack of better words, you know, killed off metal and hair metal um, is they simplified. You had bands like Tesla, even though they weren't grunge, they came out and they simplified. But... I don't entirely, you know, I'm going to get up on my, my soapbox here for a second and go off script for a second, but um, I don't entirely blame Seattle music and grunge music for killing metal and hair metal or whatever. By the time you were having the B-level bands and the C-level mm -hmm. bands and the copies of copies of copies and the record companies were signing any band that they could possibly market as a metal band, a hair metal band, and putting them out, you know, putting them out and everything. The market was so flooded with bands that were one-hit wonders or wasn't even one-hit wonders and weren't that good. It was just so oversaturated mm -hmm. that it had to collapse. It was like the video game industry from the 80s collapsing too. It's the same thing. If you If you take a product and you saturate a market with that product, it's going to possibly eventually collapse. The housing mm -hmm. market, the same thing. 
We're talking about different things, but it's the same thing. And you can't, and I know that grunge, and I'm not trying to defend grunge or Seattle in no way, shape, or form, but you can't entirely blame grunge for killing off music that was starting to go pretty shitty already. Mm-hmm. You can't yeah. blame it. Look at even at bands like Motley Crue. Motley Crue wasn't making the best music. LA Guns wasn't making the best music. Poison wasn't making the best music. Warrant wasn't making the best music. Skid Row wasn't making the best music. None of these yeah. guys were making really good music when the bottom fell out from under them. It's just mm-hmm. Seattle was there to nail some nails in the coffin. Um, but yeah, that's my soapbox theory on all of that. Um, but yeah, in my head, I love this song. Uh, as simple as it may sound, I love it. I love the imagery of it. I love the way Gene sings on it. So it's number six for me. Uh, oversaturation. I was thinking 70s Kiss Merchandise and Spencer's Kiss Merchandise. Both <laughs> collapsed because of oversaturation. But uh, in my head, number five for me, this is this is what Revenge Gene should have sounded like to me. Uh when that second guitar comes in on the second verse is, is so super cool. And like you said, this is a perfect demon song. This is very, uh, the lyrics are very Dwight Fryish to me and very, very, he taps into like, like a cool horror vibe for this song. This song's dark. This song's creepy. It's heavy as F. I mean, it's just a great song. Mm-hmm. I love it. This is, there's a few songs on here that sometimes when you just need a heavy gene fix, you just go to this record. Or I've learned to go to this record. <laughs> so that brings us to the top five. What's your prediction for number five? I This is so weird. I thought in my head would be number five. All right. For number five, I predicted they were going to pick I Confess for number five. What the panel chose... For number five, with 367 points, the panel chose I Walk Alone. Six panelists, John B. Good, That Toy Bonnie Guy, Amy W., Rocker L270, myself, picked uh, I Walk Alone as their number one track. Uh, I love I Walk Alone. It has been... Hands down, my favorite track. This is that one that grew on me. I remember the very first time I heard this album, when it when it started, I was like, okay, this is different because it's got some backwards guitar work right at the very beginning and it comes in. And then when the vocal started, I was like, wait, that's not Gene or Paul. And it turned out it was pleasantly surprised it was Bruce Kulick. And Bruce put in an amazing performance on this song not only with his vocals but with his guitar work this is an amazing composition it is amazingly recorded it is amazingly uh, arranged written performed everything about it is amazing uh the backwards solo the backwards drums uh we gushed about it in rick's video about the way eric drums in this one of my favorite drumming parts it, uh, from Eric is when it breaks into that breakdown at the end it goes into that riff that when it goes into the 
last verse where it's him and Gene singing and they come in and I know deep inside of me they come in really high um, that right there that's goosebumps for me um, but I, as soon as this, start, this track starts I start getting goosebumps because I know the ride the six minute ride that I'm getting ready to take and I know this is a long song but it does not feel long to me and mm. that's when you know you have a good song when it's a song that's six minutes long and when it's over, you're like, oh, could it not go for a couple more minutes? Mm -hmm. um, and, and that's how I feel about I Walk Alone. Hands down, hands down, my number one track on this album for me. Mm -hmm. Completely agree. Number one for me as well. It's uh, It's got a fresh feel to it. It could be released today and totally be current. The, the guitar work in this song is just beautiful that last riff is so like sexy I, I absolutely love it and this track makes me really wish that eric carr and bruce would have had time to put material on asylum crazy nights hot in the shade it makes me wish bruce and eric singer would have had tracks on revenge this is why i wish Kiss would have done the reunion tour with Ace and Peter and then called it quits. Then made Psycho Circus with Eric Singer and Bruce and have Eric Singer and Bruce contribute kind of the way that Eric Singer and Tommy Thayer contributed in Monster and Sonic Boom. Mm -hmm. But man, this, this track, I love it, but it also is kind of depressing because it reminds you of what could have been. Mm-hmm. But yeah, definitely number one for me. Greatest yeah. song on this record. Yeah, it's kind of sad that they... Um, it's kind of sad, and I also see it kind of as symbolic as um, it's the final track on the album. It's Bruce's final track with Kiss, and the name of the song is I Walk Alone. Mm -hmm. I mean, you know, it it, it is kind of sad. It's it's an end of an era. It really was an mm -hmm. end of an era that never we never got back. And I wish we would have got this era of Kiss back. We could have. We could have got this era back. But Gene mm -hmm. and Paul chose not to not to do that. Um, and then, which is unfortunate. But uh, anyway, that brings us to number four. I predicted Master and Slave. Okay. For me, a number four, I predicted Rain. Um, at 460 points, jumping into the 400s, the panel chose at number four, Rain. One panelist, Joe Pegg, picked, pan, picked, um, one panelist, Joe Pegg, picked Rain as his number one. That's a, that's, that's a mouthful. I picked Rain for me as number six. It could easily be two or three. Um, I love Rain. Paul Stanley, this is a great, great performance for him. Uh, Paul sounds so good in this. And mm -hmm. that whole, open your eyes, it you can't deny. And then he hits that, it's just a fantasy, yeah. When he does that yell on the end of it that time, I'm just like, oh. And there's a, there's a making of, Carnival of Souls on YouTube video you can watch. 
-hmm. And you can hear an isolated track of Paul singing that line with because he's in the studio, got headphones on. And so you don't hear the music. You just hear him singing. And all I got to say is, damn, the boy still had it. He still mm -hmm. had it. I mean, that him in the studio raw just sounded so damn good. And so um, I love Rain. I know this is Allison Chain's ripoff. Even the off time, the dun 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 the off time timing riff that they have. And I know that Allison Chain has 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 a song called Rain When I Die. A lot of people see this as Allison Chain's ripoff. To me, Kiss took a Seattle sound and they made it their own. Uh, I do hear influences of Kiss in this album all the way through it. And the entire album is not a Seattle ripoff. The entire album is not a grunge ripoff. In the Mirror don't sound like anything grungy, Seattle-y. Um, I Will Be There don't sound that way. I Walk Alone, kinda 90s sounding, but not necessarily I mean, like you said, I Walk Alone could be come out today. There's several mm -hmm. songs on here I think could come out today. Um, Rain, though, I love the, the... They did some pretty cool effects, like when Paul starts singing, like, tell me what... You, you have like a backwards... Vo kind of backwards sound come in before he starts singing. I like those. I like the little things where people say that this album, they didn't finish it or it doesn't sound finished. Just the little production things that they did like that with the backwards tracking on some of the things, the drums and some of the effects that they did put on the vocals and some of the overdubbing that they did do shows you that they did finish it. They just didn't, they didn't put, they didn't excess. They didn't pile on and pile on and pile on and pile on. They kept it simple and, and it was just the sign of the times for that sound. So yeah, um, Rain is number four for me. It's number eight for me, and that's not a reflection of the song being bad in any way. Um, I love this track. Like you said, that riff is a perfect example of Paul Stanley being able to do something out of his box mm -hmm. and and make it sound legitimate. And it, he's a great, great guitar player. The, the, the riff and Eric Singer's like I just want to call it symbol trickery, I guess. He it I mean he Bruce and Eric are phenomenal. And this song is a great representation of that. And you mentioned those clips. I think those were from that Kissology. They were an Easter egg on Kissology. Um please just more of that exists. Obviously they recorded the entire recording of this record. Mm -hmm. Just release it. Mm -hmm. Just release it. You don't even have to edit it. Just put it all out there as like found footage. And man, that would be so much fun. You and I have talked, you know, offline and online that this album would be the perfect box set because it it's such a odd hidden moment in time. It would be a perfect box set see the recording of it notes coffee table book everything mm -hmm. this it would be so much fun yeah it would totally all right that brings us to the top three uh number three i said hate okay for me number three i predicted the panel was going to choose jungle at 474 points 
the panel chose at number three, Jungle. Seven panelists, Sublime 130, Darren Helliwell, Sam Loomis, Jim Reddy, Eric Mosiu, Matt Ucci, Michael Westbrandt, picked uh, Jungle as their number one. I picked Jungle for me as my number 12. Um, and it's not that I don't like it. It's just, it's I, it's too long for me. Um, and the guitarist may love this because the whole end part is just a musical interlude of Bruce doing a bunch of crazy overdubs and sounds and stuff like that. This kind of reminds me of um, something that Alice in Chains would do sometimes on their songs, on their albums of songs like Frogs and um, songs like that where they have just this big long thing at the end of it where Jerry Cantrell would just see how much stuff he could layer in and how weird he could be. And this is almost like Kiss doing something like that. But earlier when I said that I Walk Alone is clocked in over six minutes and it didn't feel like it, um, to me, Jungle clocks in at six minutes and it feels like 12. <laughs> Um, you know, so Rick, you were already laughing, so you knew where I was going. Um, it just this, this it just feels long to me. But now, getting past all of that, you get back to the meat of the song. Paul Stanley sounds great. Those screams he does, like whoa in the jungle. I mean, he sounds so primitive and so, you know, those the yes that he has. I mean, he just sounds so good the riff the opening riff to this is good that that opening that 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 bass at the beginning of it um where it kind of just the, the pre-chorus that the jungle comes alive all that it sounds great if you could cut it there after it's after it's done and it's it's said everything it's needed to say and cut off all the stuff at the end, it probably would have scored higher for me. But being so long in the tooth and not really having anything for me to show for it, uh, it, it pushes it way down for me. So it's number 12 for me. But I still like it. But I usually, once it gets past the meat of the song, I usually cut the fat off and go to the next song. I usually skip to end my head. Yeah, it's, uh, it's number seven for me. I love the Paul anger in the chorus, but... Number it ranks low for me, and the reason I laughed is because it's just too long. I mean, it just gets so repetitive and just it loses me. Mm -hmm. All right, so that brings us up to the top two. If you've been playing along, you know what they are. I predicted it was going to be Rain, number two. Okay, I predicted Master and Slave for number two. What the panel chose with 496 points for number two, the panel chose Master and Slave. 11 panelists, Superkiss 1200, Travis Mulgard, Specs, Brian Foster, Roger Bennett, Jeremy Kimona, Two Gay Dads, Kissin' Time, Demetrius K, Jeff Wyatt, R.C. Campbell, Destroyer Dave picked uh, Master and Slave as their number one song. I picked Master and Slave is number five for me. It could just easily be two or three. I love the riff on this song. Um, it actually surprised me that this song 
scored as high as it did because this is one of those songs that people always point to um, and Paul Stanley himself pointed to the reason why he didn't like this album saying that we're rock stars and we're millionaires and we're saying you know we're writing songs about being depressed and about life being a race you never win and um, and things like that and I get that I do understand that but I think it's also okay for you to step outside of yourself and write about things that aren't about you and kind of be uh, extrospective, not introspective, but being prospective for, you know, things. And um, I think Paul does a good job on this. Um, I do think that he's kind of a little, a little whiny. I don't, I'm not a big fan of the, up till the towel I'm not a big fan of that type of vocalization from Paul, but I love, I love whenever he, I love the, what is the love, that love, the mighty drug we crave, the master renders. I love when he's singing like that. That is mm-hmm. cool. Um, I love the, the riff to this. I love where it breaks down and he does that one, two, three, four. And that's that, mm. that minor, uh-huh. that little time change thing that they do. Um, and those chords, they're just, those are juicy chords. Uh, the mm-hmm. solo's juicy too. Um, I love it. The end where Gene's the one singing the chorus. Every time I see, tell me what's the bottom line, tell me. I love that. Uh, so, yeah, so uh, Master and Slave is five for me. Yeah. Number two for me, I, pre-discovering I Walk Alone, this was my go-to song. This was my favorite song on the record. But then I discovered I Walk Alone, and that's my number one. I Shame on me. I was one of the, you know, Throughout the 90s, you know, Kiss doesn't write depressing songs. This is bullshit. That that was me. And, you know, shame on me because looking at it now, I see, like you just said, Paul stepping out of his box and doing something that's not him, and it comes off perfectly. It, it shows you the professionalism and the talent these guys have. And you mentioned Gene singing that chorus. I... It, you can hear they had fun making this record. Like, I don't know financially the times they were in, like, you know, was this dire straits? Is that what led to the reunion? But it sounds like they had fun making this record and you can hear it in this song. They recorded this album from November, December, January. I think they recorded this album in like three or four months, like November to February of 96. And it wasn't released until 97, like a year later. They had shelved it because of the possible, the pot, the, they had shelved it because of the reunion. But I think to them, this was their next logical step from revenge. And to me, I think it's, I think it is. Revenge and Carnival of Souls will always be sister albums to me. So this was their progression from, in their minds, their logical step from Revenge with the same lineup to Carnival of Souls. Um, had the uh, had the reunion not happened and this had just been released as a regular, had they not done Unplugged, had they not done the reunion, and this had been released as regular, whatever, during the time that it was, being the late 90s, 
and they were riding the grunge wave and riding the Seattle wave was still going on. Uh, I think this would have been a successful album. I think mm-hmm. I think it would have. I mean, I know a lot of people don't agree with me, but you've got to put yourself back to the time. I was there. I think it would have been just as successful, if not more successful, than Revenge, rather mm-hmm. than the one that they tried to hide away like their little mistress that they're ashamed of. Uh, and, <laughs> and, you know, and I, 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 th- I, th- I think it's sad that Kiss is very often, I'm up soapboxing again, but I think it's sad that Kiss very often is ashamed of some of the things that some of their fans thinks that it took balls for them to do. To me, it took mm-hmm. balls for them to make an album like this and to make an album like The Elder, to make an album like Unmasked. I don't think it was them grasping. I think it was just Kiss going, okay, well, what are we going to do now? All right, so what was your prediction for number one? I thought it was going to be Jungle. Yeah. I put hate. Um, but at 515 points, breaking into the 500s, so it's pretty definitive, the panel chose um, Hate as the number one song. 13 panelists, Raven FM, Mick C, RJ Dubs, J. Reed, Daniel Bars, Dan Thompson, Future Squash 767, Trevor Bullet, Vanessa, Aladio, Matthew Smith, Steve Revis, and Drew Tan, 16, picked Hate as their um, favorite song. I picked Hate for me as number two. Um, I love Hate. Um, and Love Hate is the name of a band. <laughs> but um, <laughs> I love this song. I think this is the perfect album opener. Album opener, And it sets the mood. It tells you, this is what we're going to be doing. They basically sum up almost everything they're going to do in this album, in this song. Um, or at least the vein of that they're going to be in. This truly sets you in, okay, we're going to be sounding Seattle grunge, 90s, whatever you want to call it. Um, that that That's what we're going to be. But this is a demon song too. Hate is what I am, you know, is, is the opening line. Um, and this has so many juicy riffs in it that, um, that, that riff, that chord progression after Gene says, uh, uh, Beats the heart of man, that da na 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 I love that. Mm-hmm. Um, and even towards the end where Gene's just screaming hate, like that hate, hate. I mean, that's, that that just it gives me chills, man, because it's like the demon is alive and well in the late 90s. He, he's still with us. He's still among us. Um, to me, it's almost like uh, unholy. It's, it's the unholy part of this album. Uh, mm-hmm. the version of Unholy. So um, I think it's great. I love Hate. Uh, second yeah. second favorite track for me. It's number three for me. Um, like you said, perfect opener to this record, and it is a wonderful companion to Unholy. It, it's, it's the Unholy of, you said it perfectly, it's mm-hmm. the Unholy of this record. I was curious, does your album have a hype sticker on it? No, it's just got the, it's just got the thing at the top. Mm. Here's the hype sticker from the CD. Yeah, and it says it's kind of sad because it says it says Carnival of Souls is the last recording of the Kiss lineup ninety two to ninety six. Yeah, I mean that is kind of sad to me. It's the last. And then, then of course inside it comes with a Kiss merchandise catalog, which is nothing but makeup. Psycho Circus era merch. (laughs) 
Yeah, because they were, you know, they were like, well, let's go ahead and push, let's go ahead and push the reunion. Yeah, there's an ad for Kistory in it, signed by Gene, Paul, Ace, and Peter. It's like, come on. I know, uh. man. I know. Like I said, it kind of, it kind of makes me, it makes me a little sad that this album got shit on the way it did by the band. And it still, and, don't, you know, it still don't get loved by them. Bruce is the only but, one paying stuff from this album. And, and you, you summed it up perfectly. I, I feel bad, me, for shitting on this record for so long. Um, not that I shit it well. I mean, I just, I didn't like it. And I, it was, it was judgment. It was me judging something without looking at it mm. and man i missed out i mean i look how many years i've missed out on enjoying this record and it took this panel to you know to get me into this record and that's why these panels are amazing first off thank you for doing these because it's it's times like this and like you said you with crazy nights and hot in the shade it's it's times like this that you can dive into a record make your list, hear other people's lists, and get turned on to something new. And, you know, now I have an album that I will cherish and and dive into because of these. So it's very cool. And very cool and very sad because I do miss this lineup. I feel exactly the way that you do towards getting denied of some of the really good songs that are on Hot in the Shade, that are on Crazy Nights. And, and trying to put myself back into what was going on during that time, not holding it against them that they have a song that sounds like Bon Jovi, not holding mm-hmm. it against them that they have a song that sounds like Def Leppard. Um, and just as I can't hold it against them that they have songs on here that sounds like Alice in Chains and sounds like Soundgarden, uh, I can't hold it against them. And to me, this is just another album in their collection that is a dynasty that is a unmasked that is Mm -hmm. a elder um that you know that it's it's the albums that you wouldn't have expected them to make and they made them and and even for the most part a lot of times they still ignore those albums they still ignore uh the elder they ignore unmasked and the sad thing is and you've mentioned this too in some of your v blogs or vlogs, they ignore the ninety, the eighties, mid eighties, and nineties kiss almost entirely. It's like they themselves mm-hmm. are still stuck in their heyday, and mm-hmm. and um, they our calendar, our calendar from May is the perfect example of that. It's crazy night lyrics with a picture from seventy six. Mm-hmm. So it's like what love them or hate them, man. Sometimes. Most of the time, they just make me scratch my head, dude. They make me scratch my head. <laughs> there you go. There's a new channel name for you. Scratch my head. Scratch my head. <laughs> Let's see. Let's recap this here. Number 12, It Never Goes Away. Number 11, Seduction of the Innocent. Number 10, I Will Be There. Number 9, In the Mirror. Number 8, I Confess. Number 7, Childhood's In. Number 6, In My Head. Number 5, I Walk Alone. Number 4, Rain. Number 3, Jungle. Number two, Master and Slave. And number one, Hate. But anyway, that's all we got for this one. The next panel video will be what you see behind me there. You see it right there? Psycho Circus. 
is the next one that we're going to be doing. And I know a lot of you are looking forward to that. And unless things change, unless things change, uh, we'll have Kimchi Chris with us for you Kimchi Chris fans. We'll have Kimchi Chris with us. He told me specifically in a in a, a DM, and I think it's I hope it's okay for me to say this. He said he wanted to come on here and defend Psycho Circus. So, <laughs> so um, we will look forward to that um, having him here as well. And um, that's all we've got for this one. Be sure to check out Rick's channel. It's all for you, Demon. He had a video just this morning I was watching about the Halloween costumes. And I love it when he pulls out his memorabilia and shows it off. Um, that's really cool. And I was looking at those Halloween costumes and I was like, man, that Peter Chris one that you love so much, that's the one I tore up crawling up under the I car. I thought, I thought every time I look at that, I think I picture you hiding underneath the car. <laughs> That's the one I tore up getting under the car, running away from the mummy or Frankenstein or whatever it was that came out, came around that damn family's house, scaring a <laughs> nine-year-old kid like that. But, That's uh, awesome. Yeah, so be sure to check out Rick's channel. Give his videos a thumbs up. Give this video a thumbs up if you liked it. Even if you didn't like it, give it a thumbs up. And uh, subscribe to his channel. Subscribe to mine. The link will be for both of our channels. will be at the end of the video and make it real easy for you if you'd like to. And uh, check out more of these panel videos. I know some people have came on and they're like, damn, I hate that I've discovered your channel so late that, um, you know, they're just now discovering and uh, the they hate that they missed earlier panels. But what you can do is you can go back and you rewatch those panel videos and just comment your your list down in the comments. Mm -hmm. You can still be, you might not be a, a, a part of the official results, but your list can still be seen. And uh, I love seeing those lists. So if you haven't seen, if you didn't get the chance to get in on the video, comment your list in in the comments. Mm -hmm. And Get in on the next ones. And we're going to be going for a little bit. We've got Kiss albums to finish up. Then we're going to do some we're going to do some solo albums. And Rick, I was thinking the other day, you know, Peter Chris, the only Peter Chris solo album that I have ever owned and listened to is Out of Control. Me too. So those those other ones are going to be brand new. It's going to be diving into and we never know, Rick. We never know that Will we discover an album that's 30 years old or so many years and it's going to be like listening to it for the first time and mm -hmm. is it going to seem dated or are we going to be like, man, I wish I'd been listening to this album before. <laughs> anyway, guys, that's all we got for this one. Um, be sure to check out Rick's channel, like I said already, and we will see you in the next video. Thanks for watching.